0: Within within printed printed page 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 rests fates unseen, unseen, doused in ink and laid between. Shadows shadows lurk within your findings to other realms and beyond the vine. You
1: know, there's kind of a few core things that I noticed. Like, hope is big. The idea, just like the concept of hope, that's a part of the story in a big way. Um. And just, I mean, for me, the biggest thing was... Because I've seen the movie so many times, you know. Yeah. An endless amount of times. So I was constantly comparing uh, the movie to the story and, like, thinking of how it was different and what parts were the same. So I was really uh, the whole time thinking about that. I don't know about you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's just... I think that, like, instead of even writing anything down, I think we could just start talking organically about it.
1: Yeah, um... Yeah, I think you know cuz they really nail on the idea of hope in in the movie too. It's a little, but I feel like the movie is a little bit it's a little bit sappier like it, it emotionally if that makes sense then than the story was. Did you get that too? Yeah, I think so. I think that that's just like in a good way. Like I like I really I thought it needed more emotion. And, and like I like I said I think I like the movie better, honestly.
0: Yeah, I, I think that for a couple of different reasons of like this book is it, the movie is more fundamentally part of my life than the uh, than the book. You know, this is the first time I've read it, but I've seen this movie, you know. A I, times, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean anytime I've stayed in a hotel room if it's on, I'll watch it. Right. It's it's kinda like the Christmas story where like I've seen Shawshank start to finish many times, but I've also seen it like fifteen minutes at a time. So
1: many I times that too. that's I, I miss that about old TV, is it? Yeah, you, know, you don't no one does that anymore. you
0: know no, when you stay in a hotel, that's like the only
1: time you really get it. Yeah, you get that in like forensic files, <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, last summer, Kate and I were uh, in we were just driving through Utah and we had a stop in Salt Lake City, and it was on, and I just I actually watched the whole thing. And then I watched it like a couple of weeks ago in a in a hotel as well. It's just yeah. You know, so the,
1: it like, I mean, it like one specific that I could nail on is that, like, the relationship between Red and Andy is is it doesn't even seem as important in the book. Like in the movie, it they're such friends. Like you feel that connection as as friends, and in the the story, I just didn't really get that. No, well, I mean, I think the portions where where they picked it from when they wrote the movie
0: when they wrote the the screenplay for it, there was certain elements of the, of King's version that they kind of just used as that, as the ability to kind of build that out. Uh, like specifically yeah. the, the bond that they have over the individual items and kind of Andy starting that friendship. And it was really not really a friendship at all. And red is almost kind of threatening him like, Hey, you know, if you end up getting caught, like I'm not a part of this. And, that's kind of just that a, one scene. Yeah, but then that bond, that friendship, becomes clear that it was there the whole time. At the end, especially when he, you know he goes and finds he goes that uh, to that main hayfield, finds that rock that has no business in a main hayfield,
1: no earthly business. Yeah, and, and you got to think like, if in your life would you just like go following? Like you'd have to be pretty good friends with somebody to to have that level of trust. But I think that's, that's kind of a part of the story too, is, is yeah. You and know, Brad I think, doesn't know where to fit in when he gets released and stuff. And he's like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go see if, if my friend Andy is down there. I think that like, over like one of the
0: biggest themes that he's trying to get to here is just like what the, the corrections facilities will do, can do to what the prison system can do to somebody when it, when they come out on the other side. Especially back then, where they weren't in for like, you know, a lot of the prisons are filled with like people that came from big families or came from gangs and things like that, where there's something that they can unfortunately fall back to afterwards. And you know, back then, they, some of like I think the amount of time that they were in, what period of time they missed, is something that is really hit on when Red is released, where it's like there really wasn't a place for him. He was seeing, he was seeing things that were like, you know. Uh, what uh, Marty McFly going to 2017 or whatever. Like That's what he experienced.
1: Yeah, that same kind of time period. Um, yeah, and I think uh, that's something, too, that I noticed about the story is the whole bit about Brooks. Like, Brooks is kind of a whole different guy in the story, right? Isn't he sort of like a tough guy? And, and he's, it's really just a, a quick blur yeah. about what happens to Brooks. And he doesn't even, like, he doesn't die or anything in, in the story.
0: No, in fact, that you know, that's the thing that kind of lends to what you were saying about like how much I really love that movie is that the because Brooks is the old man who killed, who who hangs himself, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's the whole connection with they're staying. He's staying in the same boarding house that Red is later in, which is not It's not the case in in the story. It's just a quick little little side character almost.
0: But that's an incredible that element of the movie is essential in understanding
1: just like the defeat. Being institutionalized. Yeah, like you yeah. were saying, like the effect that that prison has on somebody. You know, and, and I think the other thing that that, they, that he kinda talks about is how it's not really about rehabilitation and especially in those days I don't think anyone in the like locked up in the penal system it, it was more about like being punished than being rehabilitated, you know
0: absolutely like uh what is the uh grain and drain like yeah 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 yeah. that like you're going to be locked in solitary and also like we're going to continue to beat you down and feed you just bread and just water and you know oh the effects of it was scurvy that was what they kind of were getting across he was getting across at one point where it's explained a little further
1: yeah uh yeah and i'm sure i mean if you have a diet like that
0: well, remember, there like any time the drain in grain is mentioned, um, or well, however they say it, they talk about like people's teeth falling out.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: for yeah, I guess I guess it is from scurvy. Yeah, it's, it was just like a common thing, uh, like with the lack of nutrients for vegetables.
1: That's why you had you have to have oranges to protect against the scurvy.
0: Yeah, that's why like ships. Uh, that's why like pickled things became like common on ships. Because, yeah, it was like that's where uh, um, sauerkraut came from. Okay. It was just just a way to travel on ships with vegetables without, because people like, I mean, they start to really lose grip with reality when they go through when they're experiencing scurvy.
1: Yeah. And and I mean, especially, I mean, if you're on top of that, locked in solitary confinement, which I think is like, you know, roundly regarded as being super harmful to your. To your psyche, yeah, and the people.
0: I mean, everybody. Like he writes it in a way that, like, everybody goes into solitary pretty often. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like Red mentions it casually that he did a couple times when he got caught with, you know, like the merchandise that he's that he's bringing into the prison, the contraband or whatever.
0: Yeah, and you know, the image. Like I do enjoy having the. Because Shawshank Prison is not lock up, locked up prison. You know, it's not the prison reality shows we've seen when, you know, we were in high school.
1: I it's mean, it's, it's kind of similar. I mean, I, or at least I picture it as being a little, somewhat similar.
0: Somewhat similar, but like those big giant corrections facilities are, are so, um, I don't know. I guess I just have this very clear image of what the, how the film depicts Shawshank.
1: Yeah, it's very old school. Definitely. Very old school, yeah. And I think it even it's it's said like he writes in the story that it's not it's not a gigantic prison like Attica or San Quentin. It's like it's, but he it's does, still yeah. of a pretty fair size. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's, you're right. It's very much like it's very much like medieval looking. Like it, it's got those crazy old walls and mm-hmm. and like turrets and and all those architectural features to it in the movie.
0: Yeah. It's even kind of interesting in, like, total King fashion, like, going into, like, he goes into those finer details with certain things that are are necessary that drive certain events in the plot, Uh, and he goes into them in the way that he would do in, like, you know, a a massive book like It or Needful Things or anything Yeah, that's something
1: I I wanted to get your perspective on, too, is because, you know, King is, he's pretty vocal about like, how hard, like, how difficult he finds writing short stories, like, that's definitely a, in a prologue of one of the collections of short stories, uh, is is kind of his thoughts on how, like, it's much easier to write a really long novel, because you have all this space for character development and all sure. these things, where, like, in a short story, you have to get that done so much quicker, and I think that's something that, like, he admits he struggled with.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that he of all the ones that I've read, this is the most successful one,
1: I would say. You mean in terms of I mean, it, yeah, I guess in terms of like its film adaptation adaptation, I guess. Oh, I mean,
0: yeah, I mean it's arguably the cl- the the closest adaptation oh, closest of any. For sure. It, it's, for sure. it's
1: almost like beat for beat. It reminded me of uh like uh, the the movie version of no country for old men is like that where it follows the book like almost almost word for word at at times
0: yeah especially because they they let uh red narrate the the story as
1: well in that same way right that's i love that that sense of like like being super faithful to the source material that's something that like like kubrick for example like he doesn't he kind of it almost, like, disregards the source material, like, specifically in The Shining I'm thinking of. You know, like, I don't know, to, to get too off-topic. but
0: No, we can get as off-topic as you want. It does, that doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good
0: I, point, because, like, uh, like, we've... I mean, how many times have we had this conversation about The Shining? The difference is, and, like, obviously we both love the Kubrick adaptation of it. Like, I, I like it. Um, oh, I, it's
1: one of my all-time favorite movies.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, is, like... We've had this conversation before. Jack is crazy already. Jack has already snapped when he goes to to the overlook in the book. Yeah. The whole point of the book is you're watching the process of the hotel manipulate him into that that
1: drop. Right. And so I think that's a little bit of a criticism of of Nicholson's acting, maybe too, because like he comes across, real. Yeah, you're right. Like the whole story, he seems like he's he's already lost it. You know. Yeah, and, like, I like Jack Nicholson, don't get me wrong, but he... I love him, yeah. I, I, and I also, th- I love him in that role. Me too, but he's acting, though.
0: You know, like, you're, like, it's obvious that he's acting.
1: I don't know, man. I think that, like, and another, like, a testament to, like, why Kubrick was so great, and this could be argued, because he was, like, he mistreated them, he, like, served Jack Nicholson nothing but cheese sandwiches for weeks before the production of that movie. Like I really oh, think really? you're seeing, Yeah, like you're seeing <laughs> actors like at the edge of their actual sanity. Like he pushed them to their to, yeah. their actual human limits and then filmed them. Like it's, you know, so pretty unethical, but it makes for a wild performance, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it It's not necessarily scary, but it's definitely thrilling, you know.
1: Yeah, I still, I mean, I still indefinitely like, deeply scared by it. They, they, you know, every, everything from the the score, you know, it, everything fits so brilliantly in that yeah, movie. Yeah, absolutely. But bringing well, it back to Shawshank.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it, the performance in, in Shawshank, too, is also, like, just incredible. Like, Morgan Freeman really as Red is just so good.
1: Yeah, and I loved... uh Like, all those side characters, like, that one guy that is just sort of, like, one of their inmate friends. And at at one point, they're like, hey, what did you do to get in here? And the lawyer fucked me. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, he's, like, one of the dudes who's on the roof with them when they tar the roof.
1: Yeah, that, you know, that scene in particular is something that was made, I think, a lot more beautiful in the movie.
0: Yeah, cuz I mean they still again they still use direct like the the line about the the uh, a man deserves uh, some suds after a hard
1: day's work or something like that. Yeah, I mean, like feeling more like a like a free man, yeah, yeah something like that. Maybe, yeah, and yeah. maybe a lot of this is down to like Morgan Freeman just being such a good narrator. Yeah, because it is like so
0: romanticized in the movie. Where like the intentions are still the same there uh in the uh in the book like they're trying to get across he's trying to get across the same point but he's he's not um i'm sorry bowie's barking like crazy do you hear that i know yeah it's yeah it's driving I me hear it really well <laughs> yeah so that I means so sorry everybody at home you're gonna have to hear bowie barking too um but that's not a big deal yeah i mean that scene is really important, just in general, because it kind of shows in both sto- in both versions of the story. It ch- kind of shows the intentions of of Andy. Like, his- yeah, and
1: I think like something that you're gonna notice too with different seasons is that it is kind of a, a a unique collection of short stories in that, like I don't know if you noticed, but the subtitle to this one is like about spring or spring. And yeah, the next one we're gonna do at pupil is about summer, and it's like a mm-hmm. very long novella. So, you know, again, I think Stephen King is, is experimenting with the, the length of some things. I think, I think had he had the space of a full novel, some things about Shawshank could have been clearer than they were, you know?
0: Yeah, and I don't think that it needs to be anything more or less than what it already is. I mean, I, I, no, I think... No, yeah. I think that it's super... I mean, at the time, putting if you view Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption through any lens of his career, it's unique.
1: Yeah, it's definitely unique. It's definitely like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like nothing supernatural happens at all.
0: No, nothing supernatural happens. Uh, It's a little bit of like the most kind of realistic fiction he's ever really written.
1: Yeah, I guess that's something that I really didn't think of until just now, is that, you know, in every other one of King's book, I mean, you could definitely pick out on your left hand the number of stories he's written ever where something supernatural, freaky deaky, doesn't happen at some point.
0: Sure, yeah, absolutely. and nothing at all. I mean, that doesn't happen the whole, like, the entire Yeah, time. so, that,
1: I mean, that's interesting to think about. Like, it is is he is there something in place of that? Like, why did he leave that out you know is well, it just supposed to be that like like andy's determination itself is like functions as the supernatural thing it's like he, he almost wants to highlight like the human like the humanity of the characters and like freedom and hope and these things
0: yeah absolutely and also if you think about the the perspective this is written in it, it's written in first person but it's also jumps into that second person where red is addressing you as the reader pretty regularly throughout the whole story
1: right like breaking the fourth wall cuz he's it's this is like red writing uh, a manuscript or you know his memoirs essentially
0: exactly so like in that sense you have to kind of take out Stephen King and put in red and think of everything as as being written through only what he is aware of and right. he even he even tells you at a certain point once Andy breaks out you get a page break and he kind of starts the next portion saying like you know the rest of this is what i put together this is what and i it's
1: about you. me yeah
0: yeah so that's it's kind of it's kind of interesting um you know you know more in the movie, because the movie sure is narrated by him, but throughout you're getting perspectives of things that are happening to Andy, things that happened to Tommy, that you don't get that perspective, because uh, he wouldn't be aware of it. For instance, Tommy Tommy, you see get murdered by the warden, or by the warden's right.
1: men. And, and, and then in, in the novella, it's just, he just like makes a deal and goes to a different
0: yeah, and that's left open, so, like, of course, seeing the movie, are you, Are like, my mind goes to, are, oh, is that, all, like, you know, maybe he did get killed, and this is just the perspective that he is aware of, but it's pretty hinted at that at that point is when they have that very, uh, very religious warden.
1: Yeah, that's Sam Norton, who is the main guy, you know, the warden in the in the movie
0: but the, you know they're talking about how people are are end up in the infirmary less and they end up getting buried you know less people are getting buried in the forest behind the prison and all that kind and of the stuff whole,
1: yeah then the previous yeah, yeah. In, in the book there's this whole thing about the warden before Sam Norton who, in, in the movie it's only ever the one warden you know but in the book there's that the warden before him that's way more brutal or whatever
0: yeah they go through the whole like lineage of wardens in Shawshank
1: in the, yeah, which in the I found interesting. I, I think it yeah. was an interesting exploration of, and I don't know, maybe, like, how true Stephen King was to this, but like what prison was like in, in those days, and it definitely was interesting on that level, too. Yeah, well, I think, like, he does tackle some
0: of the ins and outs of the prison system that, um, you know, certain types of relationships that are highlighted throughout the story that really don't necessarily drive um, drive the plot to where andy's trying to get to but they kind of drive certain things that he's trying to avoid and like why he makes some of the decisions he makes like working as kind of the accountant and tax guy for the wardens that's all driven by him trying to get away from the sisters at first
1: yeah yeah i also think uh and tell me how you feel about this i don't think that andy dufresne is a super likable character in in either the book or the movie i don't think he's a thousand percent relatable or likable at all, and I think that's intentional.
0: I think that's intentional too. I think that is supposed to drive like some of the the uh, the relationship between him and the warden mm-hmm. towards uh, when the the, the when uh, Norton comes in as the warden because he he makes a reference to the first time he met Andy and how he just had like that kind of air of arrogance about him and that was something that like you could he kind of could almost like smell on a man.
1: Yeah, and that you know what—that's hammered home a lot in in the book about how like he's got this kind of lofty, uh, you know, self-assuredness, and and mm-hmm. he's got this whole je ne sais quoi about him, and, and it's like, man, you're you know you're in prison. I don't know, but I, that's kind of the point of the character is that he does retain a lot of those like outside characteristics on the inside.
0: Yeah, for sure, absolutely, and I think that. Without Red, you would have you would not like you would not like Andy if this if this story was told through his perspective. Oh yeah, Red's way more likable. But no, I, I'm saying that Red is the person who drives you to end up enjoying Andy as a character because yeah,
1: because you see through him like what is cool about Andy, and he definitely like he thinks Andy's cool, you know.
0: Yeah, and he kind of has that respect for um, Andy's like you know ability to never give up but also at the same time keep everything everything completely hidden even from from red like red i mean red red puts all those puzzle pieces together and is only told the one time in that very elusive way about the the main hayfield and the uh the safety deposit box and and his his plans for um for for mexico and everything
1: Mm-hmm
0: I mean, their friendship though is kind of like it really drives the the latter portion of the
1: story. Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely like it's one of the main themes of the the story.
0: Yeah, really good. I mean,
1: it's like friendship, hope, and freedom are are the three things that you think of when you think of that
0: that story.
1: And I think that he
0: he drives that home so quickly too that like I do appreciate it. I think it's done in a in a in a way that he usually doesn't tackle concepts like that. Yeah. Where, like, typically we would see somebody, like, some of those, like, absolute lows would have been more defined.
1: Yeah, and again, something where it, it, you know, had this been a thousand-page thing, it it would have gotten way more into some of that. Um, You know, it's definitely, like, the length of the thing affects it a lot. And even... Just you'll see going now from this to apt pupil like apt pupil is probably at least twice as long as as Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption and you'll see like what where he uses that extra space is really kind of kind of brilliant.
0: Now that doesn't take place in Castle Rock, right?
1: No, it takes place in uh, California in some Mm -hmm. like uh, just like suburbie town.
0: And then he goes back to Castle Rock for the body, and I forget what the name of the last one is called.
1: Yeah, actually, I didn't look. I I just kind of went through it sort of blind. Of course, I, I've done. At Pupil is one of my favorites, so I've I've read that just independent of, of the other ones a lot. Yeah, for sure.
0: Have you started At Pupil, or were you waiting for this coming week?
1: I started like the first, uh, just the first couple minutes of it. Uh, as I was coming home, I was listening to it. Uh, but it's one that I mean, again, it's like one of those I've read a thousand times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. I love it. Awesome man. I think that this is gonna this is gonna cover us here for Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Great. I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been awesome. Yeah, anytime. I love it. Yeah, dude. And uh this is I am Max Lopez and this is Beyond the Bindings.